Hello, and thank you for listening to this episode of Z Action. The IBM Z Systems platform has never been more exciting, with ISVs and developers leveraging the latest emerging technologies to maximize clients' needs. Each month, we meet some of the world's most innovative companies as they share how they're expanding horizons and driving success with Z Systems. This is IBM Z Systems in action right now, Z Action. I'm Lee Sullivan with the IBM Z Systems ISV ecosystem team. Today, we welcome Rocket Software's Jim Perel and IBM's Mike Zagroski, We'll be discussing multi-factor authentication on Z systems. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Lee. Um, okay, I'll get started. Uh, Jim, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your involvement with IT security over the years? Mike, my pleasure. Um, for some reason, problem solving seems to be in my blood. I started as a Pinkerton security guard while in college. They taught me all about physical security, strengths and weaknesses, and how to test it. And as a result, my first job at IBM was as a tester as well. I, I didn't, and I didn't just like identifying the problems. I did a bunch of forensic debugging and recommended solutions to the problems. Ultimately, I rose to chief architect for Z systems at IBM, and I really wanted to protect our reputation as the most secure platform. So one time I heard about a large security breach at one of our customers, and I volunteered to do forensics for them. They really didn't want to hear from me. Uh, they had paid consultants, government officials going through them like crazy. But they finally agreed to a visit when I told them I wanted to, one, see if their mainframe was at risk. Two, could the mainframe have protected the non-mainframe systems better? And three, did the IBM did IBM need to provide more security to the mainframe to avoid this issue in the future? Well, lo and behold, I found dozens of problems that the paid consultants didn't find. They either weren't looking in the right places or were constraining themselves to a small subset of the nine mainframe stuff. And worse, there was no audit trail to determine if the breach was broader than had been determined uh, when I first got started. But I was able to show them how easy it was to go from the non-mainframe to the mainframe without detection using all the things they had found so far. So it really wasn't my plan. That became a life-changing experience for me. So. I just kept doing more stuff. Um, I, I learned and shared so much that the U.S. Secret Service asked me to join their electronic crime task force in Chicago. I love spy novels and especially enjoyed Tom Clancy novels. So another time I was talking to a classified government agency in an unclassified briefing. They, I, I could tell them stuff. They couldn't tell me anything. But I, I hypothesized a whole bunch of cool ways to solve their problems you know, based on info I found in Clancy's books. So that led to a very high security clearance with the government. And I did a lot for them for many years. And then I've co-authored two books on security. I've done a lot more forensic debugging at other customers. I do lectures on how to better protect IT infrastructure. And all of those experiences led to a number of security changes in IBM hardware, middleware, ZOS, and RACF. It was never my primary job, but it's certainly become one of my favorite hobbies. Thanks, Jim. I didn't realize you uh, were an author of two books. I think I'm going to have to get a copy of those. Uh, maybe I'll get a signed copy someday. There you go. Uh, <laughs> so mainframe authentication um, has really changed from the early days. Uh, can you explain you know, what changes you've seen and why we've seen these changes over the years? Sure. Um, let's start with about 50 years ago. It's uh, I think the mainframe is slightly older than that, but... Uh, you know, it was in a locked room and it was all about physical security. You know, as networks got broader, they added user IDs and passwords to provide another level of authentication and, and started to do auditing based on those IDs. 
And then PCs came about in the 80s, and they started being used for nefarious purposes as well. Um, you could use them to automate logon attacks. So things like three strikes and you're out, three failed attempts and your IDs revoked um, came into play to stop that kind of stuff. But then they did things like called dictionary attacks. They'd try and find the passwords encrypted and then, you know, break them apart. So that main logger passwords, passphrases and such. But then viruses came out with keystroke loggers that, you know, could grab that and again, use them to try and debug a password. So things like multi-factor authentication are really critical toward proving who the person is that's logging on. Okay, good, thanks. Um, so can you tell us about some of the customer issues that you've seen throughout the years um, that, that could have been prevented if they had deployed MFA and protected the user IDs with a multi-factor solution? Absolutely. In fact, every one of the breaches I've worked on and most of the others that I know about had bad guys that found ways to easily get onto a system. Had MFA been used and also a level of encryption of data at rest and data in flight, none of those breaches that I worked on would have would have occurred. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of um, you know what I've seen uh, recently as well. Um, so one of the questions I often get um, of who to protect uh, with a multi-factor solution um, is it is it just for privileged users, or would your recommendation be you know beyond the the traditional privileged user ID? Well, that's every time I've talked to a customer, that's the first thing they start with. Let's get our security and system admins secure along with any database admins. But the reality is on ZOS, and this goes back to the forensic experience, you know, customers have a lot of critical information on that platform. The data is accessed by so many different personas, if you'd like, bank tellers, motor vehicle clerks, stockbrokers, law clerks accountants, software developers that have, you know, the source code of the programs they're hosting, business partners, contractors, nurses, travel agents, everything you can imagine. And then, you know, when you think about a theft, you know, if one person, one individual person's data is stolen, you know, it might not be to be, appear to be that terrible, but when you're talking about getting access to one of those people I just mentioned that see, could possibly see all the customers of that business data, that's a disaster. And that's why you really need MFA to make sure it's really that person logging on to access those systems. Okay, good, thanks. Um, so I also hear a lot about uh, protecting these IDs from external threats. I mean, that's always the big worry. Um, but we're also concerned about internal threats as well from, from the person sitting at the next desk versus this, the person sitting in another country. Can you talk a little bit about the two different types of threats and, and do we need to cons be concerned about both or one or the other? You know, how, what, What's your view on that? You need to be concerned about both. I think most people think about external threats first and foremost. I'm going to give you a couple examples of uh, internal threats. I mean, I, I, one of the fun things I've had because of my reputation is a lot of customers have asked me, hey, can you break into our building? And usually through some combination of social engineering or whatever, I can figure out a way to get into most places. But, um, you know, 
what you find is that in an office space where they feel all safe and protected, they've got sticky notes on the side of their monitors, underneath their keyboards with their user ID and password, okay? Unfortunately, again, some of the forensic work I've found that, well, if I was to go sneak into one of those buildings, is that now an external or an internal threat? I'm gonna call it an internal threat, but I'll give you some real examples. Um, teammates of somebody have used other people's credentials to avoid detection of a crime. In one case, someone at a police department logged into a system using a peer's credentials and warned a criminal of a search warrant on the way. Now, the way they found out was the stupid criminal started bragging that he knew the cops were on the way. So they had an internal investigation to find that, you know, who who did it. Initial audit trail led right to the person whose ID was on that sticky pad. They, they were really lucky they had a good alibi, um, but they ultimately found a sticky note with a search warrant ID on somebody else's desk. There were several lessons learned in that investigation, each about people's behavior trying to circumvent technology, but, you know, it's, you know, it's can be done inside just as easily as outside. And so I think it's fair to say that a, a multi-factor solution would help uh, prevent uh, against both insider and external threats. Correct? Yeah, yeah. And now both those cases, or in, in that case, anyways, you're looking at, you know, it's something that you know, which is a user ID and password, which unfortunately I wrote down. But it's something that you have and something that you are. So the, either the biometrics of who you are, or having that token with the key, you know, on your phone or, you know, that that ID on your phone or something that would have circumvented that kind of issue. Okay, good, good. Um, so as you know, right, we always have the opposing forces of um, ease of use and security, right? If we make something more secure, um, usually there's more friction um, for a person to authenticate. So what we're hearing a lot now is um, the need for single sign-on solutions between uh, the mainframe world and the non-mainframe world. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, you know, what I'm seeing is uh, differences of opinion. Some people do not want that, and some people really, really want that. So I, I wanted to get your view on what. What do you think uh, we should we should be heading towards? Well, I've been hearing about and working towards single sign-on for well over 20 years. It's kind of like the holy grail. It's good intentions, but the industry just isn't there yet. Because again, you could say things like a session manager provides a single sign-on in a lot of cases toward mainframe applications. But the mainframe is an island in that case. You know, How do you get single sign-in to your mobile, to your desktop and all these other things? So... I think while that, and, and then people associate that with, well, MFA is hard. Well, it's not. Um, there's so much interoperability across security vendors and IBM for that matter, that a consistent sign-on to desktops, to the cloud, the web, to IBM offerings, um, that's all possible now. And if you do it in a similar way across most systems, that perceived burden is way reduced and it really becomes routine. And so it's not, you know, it's, yes, MFAs might be considered hard because it's different the first time, but you get used to it. And and again, consistency is the key. Routine is the key. Do it right the first time and you'll get it, you know, and you'll really mitigate a lot of risk. 
And that, that's exactly what I see when working with clients is that um, they've been using a password for 30 years. And, you know, to change that even a little bit um, is, is, you know, uh, not a pleasant experience for them. But once they start doing it, they enjoy doing it. So um, that's right in line what we're seeing uh, with clients. Um, so can you give me an example of where you came across a, a risk in an IT shop um, that would we would never find and that perhaps multi-factor authentication, you know, could help mitigate that risk? Sure. Um, my favorite example is uh, independent insurance agency. So I'm, I'm off the clock from an IBM or a rocket perspective. I'm just going to buy some insurance. And there I'm sitting in the cubicle with the agent and there on her cork board on her desk is, is a sheet of paper with a table that has every insurance company in it. And now I'm from Hartford. So I have five siblings and all of them have spouses. Everybody of us has worked at an insurance company at one point. And every insurance company I know of and more are listed there with the URL or their web address, the user ID and password to sign in that system for that individual. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I didn't say anything the first time, but the second time I went in there, same thing. And I said, please put that away. And they didn't really get it until I took a picture of the paper. And then I said, you know what, let's talk to your manager, but I, you know, put it in a lockable drawer. Don't just put it in a drawer because again, me and physical security, you know, if I can walk in and open your drawer and get the same thing, what's the point? So put it in a lockable drawer. Um, I really, you know, I really believe in the philosophy if you see something, say something. And it is about mitigating risk. Security, I think, as you well know, is about people, process, and technology. And while the mainframe is the most secureable technology, it really depends on good people behavior. And in this case, none of those insurance companies, whatever audit they have of their IT systems, they never would have found this person. And how many other people are doing the same thing? Adoption of MFA, that's all nice information. You'd still need their phone. You'd still need their biometrics or something as that additional token. So my picture never would have worked um, with the MFA solution associated with it. So, so I think with that story, it's fair to say you got a discount on your insurance. Then. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had, but no, I did not. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic, um, but what we saw, uh, especially at the height of the pandemic, were people working remotely. Uh, not only, you know, one person, but but everybody, right? From, you know, the, the uh, you know, mom and dad, you know, from, from work, all the kids from school. Um, what what risks did that um, highlight, um, and and you know why was that a concern with respect to uh, authentications, uh, and and you know again, you know really bringing forward the need for multi-factor authentication. Sure, I, you know, I, um, I spent a lot of time in Manhattan. Finance industry is huge there. A lot of their security is based on you've got to do stuff in the office. They even check the IP address during the authentication process via extra exits and stuff to make sure it's on premise to reduce the risk of a breach. And now you're working from home, you can't do that. You don't have badge access to record who enters your house. Your kids, you know, you're, you go to lunch, your kids jump on your computer for a minute, check their mail, and what do they do? Download something stupid. And what's that stupid stupidity have? A key logger which now says, I'm gonna steal your information at home. The risks go up a lot. You know, 
businesses really need to do more to mitigate those risks of those work-at-home employees. MFA is just one of many critical components uh, to provide that type of risk mitigation. Okay, good, thanks. So we're gonna wrap it up here um, with the last question for you. Um, you know, obviously we're talking about um, IBM Z multi-factor authentication. Um, can you just talk about some of, you know, the unique strengths that um, our solution brings to the table and, uh, you know, what benefits to the to the customers, to the end user it has? Sure. Um, first one, I kind of touched on it already. It's, it has an ability to interoperate with just about any third-party MFA vendor there is, and that's all about providing that consistent sign-on between desktop, mobile, and mainframe. I'm a, I'm a big advocate of hybrid computing in that the mainframe is consistent with everybody else. It's got some great capabilities that are unique, but in, in terms of the security world, you wanna, security is a horizontal thing. It's not a mainframe versus this. Kind of goes back to that breach I told you about with that customer. They treated the mainframe separately. Um, you want it to be a part of, of the whole community. But in addition to being interoperable, it can also do it on its own. If you want to keep it as an island and do things uniquely, um, it does have a MFA capability that's all done via the mainframe from your desktop environment. Um, it's got a fire call capability so that, God forbid, there's a disaster and you have to quickly recover the systems. You know, certain people don't need that MFA capability um, so you can recover faster scales tremendously um, without using a lot of CPU. Everybody's always worried about, oh, it's gonna do more processing. There's extra CPU, I gotta pay, pay, pay. No, not in this case. Um, it's pretty, re it's very reasonable in terms of what it does on the authentication path. And the best answer of all is we've got a lot of really happy customers using it. Okay, uh, well, thanks, Jim, for your time. I, I learned a few things that uh, you, you, you have uh, cheap insurance and you're an author. So thank you for taking some time today to uh, talk to me about our uh, multi-factor solution. Thanks. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate the time today. Thanks, guys. That was, that was really great. Um, before we close, as a reminder, uh, be sure to join the ISV ecosystem user group on the IBM Xeon Linux One community for more updates on how ISVs are innovating the IBM Z Systems platform, blogs, events, videos, discussions, and more. You'll find a link in the show notes, along with links for Rocket Software and IBM Z Systems multi-factor authentication. Until next time, thanks for joining us on Z Action. Be sure to subscribe for our next episode. Goodbye for now. <laughs>